Hi! Welcome to Coffee and Real Talk for Writers, where we get real about the writing life. Writing might be a solitary activity, but becoming a successful author is anything but. So grab a cuppa, pull up a chair, and let's talk. Hello, and welcome to Episode 9 of Coffee and Real Talk for Writers. I'm your host, Talina Winters, and I'm recording this on Thursday, February 24, 2022. And I'm very excited today because today is my first uh, podcast guest interview episode. That was super smooth. Um, So this intro is actually going to be audio only as per usual. However, um, once we get into the interview with Jessica, uh, we did that over Zoom. So there is actually um, video. If you go to YouTube and you wanted to watch it, you could. But before I get into the interview, there's just a couple of things I want to talk about. First of all, thank you very much to Brenna Bailey Davies for commenting on episode seven, which was about branding challenges for um, multi-passionate creatives. And The question of the week that week was, what's your biggest branding challenge? If you don't have any, but you've solved some before, what was it and how did you solve it? And Brenna says, my biggest branding challenge was figuring out what I wanted my editing business to be, whether I wanted it to be just me or other editors as well, and how to reach my ideal clients through my brand. I ended up hiring a brand designer and rebranding at the beginning of this year, and it has proven to be a good decision so far. And, um... Brenna's website is under Book Martin Editorial now, and I have to agree, it's looking fantastic. It does a really great job of representing what her brand is all about. So I haven't hired a branding designer for myself, although I have offered that as kind of like a... um, I'm not even sure I've ever actually charged for that service. I have offered my opinions on other people's brands before. (laughs) (laughs) whether they wanted them or not. Uh, Just kidding. Um, No, I've had people ask me about it before because I do teach classes about branding. Um, But uh, as far as a paid service, I'm not sure if anybody's actually asked me to do that. However, um, I think it's just brilliant that she went ahead and did this and it certainly shortcuts the process of branding. Oh, I did actually have somebody help me once. I just remembered my community offers a... uh, It has a service called Community Futures, which um, is actually a business, but they did offer me a free consultation on my website branding once, and that was really, really helpful. I did that after creating my new website a few years ago, and yeah, just having someone kind of walk through it with me was really, really helpful. Um, Anyways, I had a wonderful high. Last Friday morning, I woke up to... um, an interview, my my book, The Undine's Tear, which is book one of my Rise of the Gregory series, had been interviewed by a major Christian speculative fiction publication called Lorehaven Magazine. And they had just tagged me on Instagram, and that's how I found out. And I was shocked. It, it, you know, I'm not a person who necessarily goes out seeking the validation of these kinds of things, other than that Reviews are super helpful. So yes, I seek reviews all the time. That's not what I mean. I mean, I don't uh, typically these days go like, I'm not a person, for instance, who feels like I need to go get the validation of being chosen by a traditional publisher. 
if and when I ever tr- publish with a traditional publisher, it would definitely be a marketing move, part of a marketing strategy for me. It's not something that I would have been, I would be like, yes, please pick me. It's like, how can we work together? That kind of collaborative process. Um, but I do confess that several years ago when I first launched Undine's Tier in 2019, um, of course, with a new book, you're always trying to get reviews. You're trying to get visibility. That's one of our biggest challenges as indie authors is obscurity. And so uh, at the time, I still had my old cover. And Lorehaven does have a, a review service where you can request reviews. And I had actually submitted Undine's Tier to them at that time requesting that they review it and they said no and so when I got this surprise review um I was as I said very surprised but it also felt a little bit like winning an award and so even though I don't usually seek that validation boy did it feel good and the reviewer loved it um and then I as I I thought about it the the more I thought about I was like glad that I hadn't gotten the review back then first of all they probably rejected it partly because I wasn't marketing it well. Like I still didn't have a really great book description for it. And the book description I had was probably pretty misleading. But also the cover I had, even though it was a pretty fascinating and and eye-catching cover, was not the right cover for the genre the book actually is. I was still kind of figuring out what my genre was, who my ideal readers were. And uh, at the time, it was the only book I had out. I did have my prequel novella out, but that isn't really, you know, it wasn't like something that people would have really read through to necessarily that would have made me money. At the time, it was actually only available exclusively to my newsletter, which I'm thinking of doing with it again, but I'll I'll save that for another episode. Anyway, um, but point is now I have my marketing in place like the packaging is is all in place and I know that it's solid I'm getting lots of interest in the book now um and I have a second book so not only um will the attention draw people into reading this book but they can actually continue reading on if they so choose so anyway that was great. But in case you're wondering, I was a little curious. I'm like, well, what will the results of this review be? Cause I, um, they shared it widely on their social media platforms. I shared it on mine, of course. Uh, and I'm not sure. I, I know that they have a newsletter cause I'm signed up to it, but I, I'm not sure if they actually send out reviews in a newsletter. Cause I don't, I haven't seen it come into my inbox. Um, maybe it will go out later. And I think they put it into their regular magazine. But again, I'm not really sure about that. So the point being, though, after the weekend of all this publicity and all the and this amazing review, um, I sold like zero copies of that book, (laughs) which, by the way, uh, right now there isn't much of a marketing push. I'm not putting a marketing push on it. Um, I'm waiting until I get the third book out before I really start heavily marketing this book. So it's going to be a few years. I am going to be do. I am doing low level marketing. Like um, I've tried ads on this book and I haven't had much success with it. Um, but I'm going to be trying a blog tour, which I've never done before starting in March. So I'll let you know the, if I get any results from that. Um, I did have a book bub on this book, uh, an international BookBub featured deal. I had that last 
I think I had it in November, right before Sphinx's Heart released, which is book two. And it didn't even pay for itself. It was a 99 cent book bub deal. Didn't pay for itself. I did move a lot of copies. Didn't see as much read through as I'd like. So I'm trying not to be discouraged by it. The people who love this series really, really love it. And there's people who just don't. And also there's lots of people who download books for cheaper in one of those deals and they just don't read it for like years. I'm totally guilty of this myself. I, I own way more books than I could ever possibly read. So yeah, as I said, it's just something that I'm, I'm, what I'm mostly focusing on with this series right now is kind of building that low level buzz and getting the social proof that I need so that when I do release the third book and I want to start heavily promoting this series and putting some marketing wheels in motion for it that I've already got a lot, a lot to work with. Okay. So moving on, um, my progress this week, I have nearly completed the editing project that I'm working on, which is due tomorrow and I will finish it tonight or tomorrow morning. So right on time. And that always makes me feel good. Not only was it right on time, I didn't have to super stress myself out to do that, which is even better. Um, also, I've added several several chapters to my uh, sweet small town romance manuscript, Every Star That Shines. And I've mentioned that I'm kind of like I, I was stressed out about this. I mean, as you know, I was like going through all kinds of existential angst and kind of tossed out my outline last week. And I didn't really toss it out. But at this point, that outline is more like a guideline than an actual rule, which outlines always are for me, but um, I'm way more into the trusting my gut territory at this point than I normally am at, at when I'm like three quarters or like two thirds of the way through a book. Um, I am basically still following the outline, but at every scene and every chapter, I just, when I get there, I look at it and I look what I planned and I, and I know why I planned that, but I've gone off of that original plan so much that I kind of look at it and go, okay, based on what has actually happened in the story, what do I need to change? How can I make this work? And I'm still generally headed in the, in the same direction that I'd originally planned. It's just that I'm taking a detour. I'm taking a, a different route to get there than I planned. So if I get lost, I will re-outline, but right now I'm just kind of working it chapter by chapter, which is how I would outline, have to do it if I re-outlined anyways. I'm hoping this saves me time because quite often if I do go ahead and re-outline, then I change something else, then, then I feel like that outline was wasted. And, and as I said, I'm not that far off of the original plan because I know what beats I need to hit essentially. And I, and I'm, pretty solid on my character conflicts. So it's just how those conflicts are working out that is is changing a little as I go. Um, speaking of character conflicts, uh, yesterday I felt like I needed, I felt like something was a little bit missing with my heroine's conflict and I needed to beef it up a little bit more. Um, so I, I spent some time thinking about that, which uh, courtesy of my cats, <laughs> my cats have recently gotten into this we are yarn terrors phase, which is not great because I, of course, am an avid knitter and I have been known to even decorate with yarn. So there is a lot of yarn laying around and um, they have like they can destroy a ball of yarn, I've discovered in less than two minutes. I discovered that this morning because they were hardly ever unsupervised and yet 
And yet, this morning, they destroyed another whole ball of yarn, and they tangled it up with a ball of yarn I had spent two hours yesterday untangling and winding. And so I was very thrilled with my cats this morning. I was thinking they really want to be outside cats, but I did not quite actually throw them out there because it's still pretty cold out and they do not have winter coats. But I was not happy. However, anyways, yesterday, because they had also destroyed a ball of yarn yesterday morning, I spent two hours in the afternoon untangling that yarn, thinking through my story at the same time. It was actually kind of a nice little break. Um, and then last night I did write that scene out, wrote a whole chapter out, and I did spend a little bit of time yesterday afternoon after after I was done untangling, just kind of jotting down some notes about that character conflict that I needed to work through. And it really came through really well when I wrote the scene. So that was good. Uh, the book is currently just under 50,000 words. I'm still anticipating it to land at about 72 to 75,000 words. Um, and I'm definitely not panicking about it like I was last week. However, I did do some creative procrastination this week. Besides the untangling of the yarn, which I don't feel like was procrastination. That was actually really good use of my time. Because uh, I'm... <laughs> the project they destroyed is something I'm actively working on finishing for my knitting business. So I needed it to be detangled for that as well. Anyways, um, but I did create a pro uh, creatively procrastinate by listening to dozens of samples on the new Find Away Voices Marketplace. Which if you haven't heard about this, is just a... It's a newly opened... Um, platform on Findaway Voices, which is audiobook production platform for indies. Um, but now they have this marketplace where narrators can post their work and you can actually contact narrators directly. Uh, I believe it's similar to what ACX did in the past, um, which is Audible's indie publishing arm. I've never gone directly through ACX, so I'm not 100% sure on that, but I, I, it seems like it's a similar idea. However, I'm Again, not 100% sure on this, but I do think there is some kind of a curation process on Findaway Voices. I don't know. What I do know is I spent hours and hours this week listening to samples, and of the people that were on there, most of them were very prolific and quite qualified narrators. Um, there were a few that were obviously just starting out, but they still had really good quality samples, and I didn't feel like it was a waste of my time to even that they were even on there so yeah I, I I'm very excited about it um and the the advantage of going directly with the narrator well there's a few things I have produced a an audiobook through Findaway Voices before uh my novella The Water Boy which is the prequel audiobook for my Rise of the Grigori series I produced that through them and used their curated like you have like an account rep kind of process, which was great for finding the uh, narrator for, since it was my very first audiobook project, I appreciated that. However, I got very quickly got frustrated with it because I wanted to have a much more direct hands-on contact relationship with my narrator and everything we said had to go through this middle person, which became very, very frustrating. Other than that, they have a comment system where you can put comments on each chapter or whatever that the narrator produced. And in my case, the narrator would put up his work one chapter at a time as he was doing it. Um, 
So that was nice, but it did make it tricky. Like I would have liked to have just been able to email back and forth about some things. And eventually when the project was over, I was able to contact, like the narrator has social media and stuff. So we were able to contact each other in other ways so I could ask him about doing future projects. Um, and so we did eventually get over that. But as far as the project itself was concerned, it's like we were almost contractually bound to actually go through the Findaway Voices system for everything we wanted to communicate. Again, I found it super frustrating. So I'm really, really excited about this. Um, and also now that I've done uh, that project, I've done uh, the Deep Zen AI narration in December. I'm just a very much a hands-on person and I suspect I'm not the only indie author this who is this way because many of us do this because we just are control freaks, let's admit it. Uh, so um, yeah, I I actually spent, you know, these, these hours and I was looking for narrators. Um, I was mostly like the next project I'm going to get narrated. I'm, I'm really hoping to actually start putting my Peace Country Romance series into audiobook not terribly long after I start publishing it in other formats, um, once I see what the reception is like. However, the reason I'm choosing that is partially just a feasibility thing. The books aren't, aren't going to be as long as my Gregory books. Also, I'm expecting that they will have more immediate and wider appeal. And I know that romance readers are voracious. Um, I know several personally that tell me they pretty much only ever listen to audiobooks and they go through one or two a day which blows my mind. But anyway, romance readers are amazing. Um, I would really like to get my Rise of the Grigori series made into audiobooks. Like that's a dream. But considering that each of the books is going to be at minimum 20 hours long, Sphinx's Heart is going to be more like 40 hours long. That is going to be hugely expensive. Like I did price it out once. I did get a narrator that I contacted directly to send me a to send me an audition once and I thought I could afford her but then I found out that her fees were separate from her sound engineer's fees and together it, it it came to a rather stupendous amount of money for a book that is still I'm not really marketing yet so that's gonna wait however that didn't stop me from coming up with a short list and finding the perfect narrator for the series for when I get there so I have now several several narrators picked out I just need to get the, the budget. <laughs> so anyway, it was something that uh, the, the, the procrastination is something that will pay off eventually. Just not there yet. Anyways, um, I'm going to try and move along here because we're already at 18 minutes and I'm still not even into the interview with Jessica. Uh, the lows for the week, I it was a pretty good week for the most part, other than that I did this procrastination because I was stressed out, pretty sure. And I just needed a way to feel like I had a little bit of control over my life. Um, and that comes back to like, the world is still really hard. More hard stuff happened this week. More hard stuff happens all the time. Uh, it's going to keep happening. And hopefully it will ease off at some point. So it's not like everything is in turmoil all the time. But I had this thought today that, you know, like it's it's been said a lot through the pandemic that we're all in the same storm, but we're all in different boats. And I, and, and it just occurred to me today how apt this analogy of being caught in a boat in a storm is. And I, I feel like we're not in like, well, some of us are in like really big boats. I'm not in a big boat. I'm in a small boat. I feel like, because that's where my tolerance level is right now. Um, and when you're in a small boat in a storm, 
I mean, I'm in there with my family, but sometimes it feels like all you can do is hold on for dear life. So you, you, you might see folks in another boat. Speaking of cat terrace, my cat just tried to snag some of that yarn that I just finished untangling from my desk under my nose as I was recording. Not impressed. Anyway, we are all in, like, like, like I'm in this boat holding on for dear life and I can see folks in other boats and occasionally I'm in a position to help them a bit, but mostly when you're in this situation, you're just trying to survive. And I feel like I've been in survival mode a lot for the last two years, um, which is, I think, partly why my mental health has been fluctuating quite a bit, especially this winter. Um, and I've often felt guilty for how poorly I'm handling the storm and how little I'm able to help others through it until I thought of this analogy today and realized that like, when you're in survival mode, you just got to give yourself some more grace. Yeah, we help each other as much as we can. But when most of your resources are just going to surviving, you don't have a lot left to give other people. And it's not like I'm doing nothing. Um, because like even this podcast, for instance, is actually, I mean, it's, it's serving several purposes for me. But one of the main reasons I wanted to start it was as a way of giving back to the community. And so, you know, like I am doing what I can. And still, it seems like the storm in the world is about to calm down and then something happens and the winds pick up again. So I am ready for a break. I don't know about you, but it would be nice to have some calm seas and a peaceful harbor, Prefer preferably a tropical harbor. <laughs> if Maddie Dalrymple ever listens to this uh, podcast, she's going to be all over all these nautical metaphors. Hi, Maddie. Anyways, okay, so... One resource I wanted to mention this week, uh, I actually just finished reading it today at lunch, it, and I started it last night. So it's a really short book. It's it's Newsletter Ninja 2 by Tammy Labreck. And if you've never read the, the Newsletter Ninja book, I highly recommend that you, you get the hints right now. Just go buy it and download it, and so you'll have it ready to start at your earliest convenience. It is such an amazing tool, um, such great teaching on there on one of the basic things we need to do for author marketing, which is to nurture our email list. Uh, this is not to replace that book. This newsletter, Letter Ninja 2, is actually focusing on reader magnets, what Tammy calls cookies, which is just fun, right? Who doesn't want a cookie? Um, it's not very long, but it does pack a really powerful punch. And it was super timely for me because I've been rethinking my newsletter strategy lately and my reader magnets in particular. Um, once I'm finished with this manuscript, I'm planning to do a little bit of take, take about a month or so and kind of rework and do some writing and, and get some better leader or get a better strategy for my reader magnet. So this was a really helpful and timely, uh, read for me just came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, and of course, Tammy has just this hilarious teaching voice, which is the same as her actual voice, which if you want to hear that, she was actually interviewed on the Rebel Author Podcast, episode 126, just this week. And she covers the highlights of the book in the interview. So you could go check that out if you want to kind of see what the book is all about before you go by. Okay, so on to the interview with Jessica Renwick. Um, before we dive in there, though, I I want to apologize for the sound quality of my mic during the interview. I just did it. We just did it on Zoom and I used just my earbud, micro, earbud microphone thingy. 
And as I was listening back to it, I realized it's not great. So I'm going to definitely need to get a better setup for the next interview I do. But um, still, it's not terrible. It's just not going to be quite the same as what you're hearing right now. Anywho, onwards. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jessica. Um, I certainly did. I just adore her as a person, but her work and also I'm just constantly inspired by Jessica's uh, business savvy and the things that she's tried and, and willing to try. And yeah, she's a pretty amazing person. Anyways, uh, after our interview was over, we realized we forgot a couple of things in the interview. You know, what can I say? I'm I'm out of practice with interviewing and I have never done it for a podcast before. So anyways, I'm just going to include them right here. Specifically, uh, where to find Jessica online was missed. So you can go to her website at jessicarenwickauthor.com to find more about her books. And you can sign up for her middle grade or romance newsletters. She keeps two separate newsletters and they each have free uh, reader magnet stories to go with them. And both of the stories are good. Uh, so I recommend them. And you can also follow her on social media. She is most active on Instagram and she has two accounts. One is under Jessica Renwick author, which is her main account, which she primarily promotes her fantasy in, but she also just, it's her writer's life kind of account. And then she has Jessica Ann Renwick books, which is primarily to focus on her romance audience. And she does a lovely job with Instagram. It's so nice seeing her posts. They're always pretty and she's so engaging in her posts so and lastly our question of the week this week is what's a risky decision you've made about your indie author business that has paid off in unexpected ways and you can leave a comment at tolinawinters.com slash podcast episode nine and uh, I will put a link in the show notes of course I hope you enjoyed the interview uh, please leave a comment and, and if you have any questions or anything um uh, Jessica can come and re respond to them. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful writing week and we shall see you next week. Thanks for having coffee with me. Coffee and Real Talk for Writers has been produced by Tolina Winters. The music for this podcast was written by Josh Rickard of joshrickardmusic.com. You can find episode show notes, leave a comment, subscribe, or if you're feeling generous, Buy me a coffee at tolinawinters.com slash podcast. And be sure to leave a review on the podcatcher of your choice. Tell your friends to come by too. The kettle's always on. So until next time, I hope you keep writing and keep it real. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.